0: Hi there, Michael here, and we're back to break down episode 11 of Lego Masters on my podcast, Talk Bricks Masters, which I imagine is the only Lego Masters podcast that Jeff Gordon listens to when he's going 120 miles per hour. I can't wait to break this episode down with former Lego Masters contestants, Dave and Brian, just like I break down all the Lego news weekly on my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks. We're getting here towards the finale, and there's still so much coming on the podcast because we've got some special guests to break down our finale episodes, not to mention everything coming with the Holiday Bricktacular. So you're definitely going to want to stay subscribed to make sure you don't miss out on anything. So with that all out of the way, let's jump into our recap. If that episode didn't get your engines raring to go for another Talk Bricks Masters podcast, I don't know what will. Um, But the thing I think that might help is, of course, the ultimate pit crew, the team I needed, you know, on this race. Back, you know, for another bout out on our podcast, we've got from Season 2, Dave Coletta. Hey, everybody.
1: Great to be here.
0: Oh, my gosh. So excited to have you. And, of course, we couldn't have this podcast without another Season 2 favorite. Back again, we've got Brian Firk. Say hello to everyone.
2: Hey, everybody. So excited to be back. I cannot wait to talk about this episode.
0: Yes, this was this was quite the episode. Very uh, atypical. We were talking briefly before we started recording a very atypical Lego Masters. But Brian, why don't you kick us off? What did you think about this NASCAR themed episode?
2: Yeah, I thought this was a fascinating and like you said, Michael, very atypical episode. And honestly, I loved it. I really enjoyed kind of every step of the process because I didn't know what was going to happen next because it was not your usual (laughs) structure for a LEGO Masters episode. So I felt like I was almost watching a different type of program. And I thought it was really cool to see the teams come together, produce such a huge piece, which is bigger than we typically see on LEGO Masters. And to have to do it in these kind of circumstances. I thought it was just uh it was a fun watch. I also really on a big picture level really enjoyed the the guests who came in uh this episode as well. I thought it was better guests than we we've seen in the past and the ways that they interacted. So overall I I really had a blast with this one.
0: Yes. I mean I think like uh I feel like this was like Peak Lego Masters the TV show. You know, I feel like they really put a lot of like the TV elements to make this as compelling of a TV production, you know, maybe uh, you know, kind of putting some of the Legoness aside in some ways uh, to just like make it a ton of fun for the audience. But what did you think, Dave? Well,
1: it definitely wasn't our typical Lego masters u s episode. It felt so much more like an episode of Lego Masters Australia. We got to spend so much time with the teams and really got to know who they were and got to learn more about their senses of humor. And everybody just seemed so relaxed and chill. And it was a totally different vibe from your normal high stakes Lego Masters episode. But it was really welcome at this point of the season. I'm sure it was welcome for the people on the show too.
0: Yeah. I mean, you make a really good point because I feel like a lot of what we talked about on the podcast last season was in these final few episodes, really the fatigue that you could see on all the contestants faces. You know, I felt like every episode people were getting short with each other. They were like, like they weren't having as much fun. So maybe in some ways doing this episode sort of like, you know, got the teams out of their shells or working with another team, all this sort of stuff, just to sort of like shake up the competition and refresh them to go into the rest of the competition. So I feel like you you might have uh, triggered something for me, Dave. But uh, why don't we jump into the setup for this episode? We see Will, you know, he's waiting for his ride. Of course, you know, he has a probably a limousine pick him up every episode, I have to imagine. And uh, but we pull out and of course, he's at a racetrack, you know, he's waiting for his car and, and who's happens to be there. But Jeff Gordon, famous NASCAR Hall of Famer, as we learn later in the episode. But, you know, Dave, what is your experience with NASCAR? Are you a fan? Was was this like a, you know, a familiar scene to you?
1: Well, I have to say, I think it was February of 2020. I did go to Indianapolis and I visited the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and I did kiss the bricks there. I am not a huge fan of left turns. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I recognize that it is a very popular sport and I had a lot of fun looking at the cars there and imagining them all being built out of Lego. So this was kind of like a great idea of an episode.
0: Yes, I, I will say I don't have any NASCAR experience uh, really myself, but I, I it's not that I... Uh, don't think it's cool. I, I, I don't watch sport of any kind, including motorsport. Uh, but, Brian, what about you? Uh, are you a NASCAR fanatic? I have to imagine, right? <laughs>
2: oh, yeah, yeah. You'd be right on. No, no. It's not uh, <laughs> something that I. I am an aficionado of, but uh, I, I definitely my, my exposure is playing a lot of car based video games growing up. So yeah. I definitely raced a lot digitally, but never actually in person. So <laughs> this was definitely an, a new arena to me, but it, it was uh, it was really cool, and I thought it was an exciting partnership with LEGO Masters. Very interesting.
0: For sure. I'd say the closest I've ever gotten is, uh, I've watched and loved all the cars movies. Uh, so that's probably as close as I get to the racing. Uh, but we see, you know, Jeff give Will a ride, uh, It's a very strange route to the studio. Apparently it goes just around and around a track uh, at 120 miles per hour. Uh, But, you know, it was all about NASCAR. And we cut to the studio. We see the NASCAR banner built out of Lego. And, you know, as everybody comes in, we see a race car drive out and they like change the tires in a really exciting way. And, you know, Greg was getting so hyped. He's like, let's go boys. And then, uh, you know, but there's a huge surprise, Will says, because they're doing a NASCAR theme challenge, but we have an actual NASCAR racer, another guest, it's We're not even like ten minutes in the episode before we have two celebrity guests. William Byron, uh, who actually is a Lego fan, he says. He says, it's therapeutic to me. Um, you know, he's used to going fast and he likes to use Lego to slow down. Um, and I know I've definitely used it as like a de-stressor before. Uh, Brian, is that how you convince your friends to get into it? That, at least that's what, what's worked for me.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. I When he said that, I was just nodding my head, totally agreeing. I, I thought that was awesome. And that really spoke to him being a true Lego fan because if you've built Lego, you know that it is a really great way to slow down and you're not looking at screens. It's this tactile hobby that you're able to just focus and really get into the details of what you're doing. And the whole world just kind of goes away around you when you're building. And it sounds like he really had a sense of that. And so I really loved how genuine he was and just being so excited to be there. It made him a more exciting guest for me to watch because I got this sense that he really wanted to be there, wanted to be a part of it and was totally interested in everything that was going on. So it made me even more invested to, to watch his guest appearance and see the way he interacted with the contestants.
0: Yes. I I couldn't agree more. He definitely seemed genuine, you know, maybe slightly more genuine than Jennifer Love Hewitt last season, but I'll let it slide. Uh, (laughs) But why don't we jump into the setup for the challenge? Will says, we're speeding things up this week for your Lego Masters challenge. You'll be pairing up with another team to build your very own NASCAR race car, but it's not a model race car, but an actual race car that you'll get behind the wheel of and drive. Because when you're done building, we're holding the ultimate Lego race. And, you know, this is our first team up challenge that since we, you know, season one, we never had one. In season two, Uh, in season two, they didn't think you should team up. They said you should split up. Um, But (laughs) what do you think, Dave?
1: Well, we did have a team up challenge in season two, Michael. We had the puppet challenge.
0: Oh, I guess that's true. But you didn't like build together. I think I'm thinking more of a yeah. I
1: I think that's a good point, Michael. So, you know, in season one, we had the heroes versus villains challenge. Yeah, the good
0: versus evil challenge.
1: Good versus evil. And the builders were doing individual builds, but they kind of went together. And it was kind of clear when that episode started that there was a real sense of like, there's still competition going on, especially since the golden brick was still available. To be played that episode um and then that was also with four teams Yeah, and then in our season you know we had six teams remaining and they paired us up or we paired up and even though our builds weren't together you still had to think about like what your partner was building and you had to work off your partner it wasn't a totally individualistic thing but this was something completely different from either one of those where it's Two teams working on the exact same thing at the exact same time.
0: Yeah, no, it was definitely a fun change up. And so, you know, each team had to reach into the helmet, the driver's helmet, to find out which team they were on. And we saw Nick and Stacy and Brendan and Greg reveal blue tires and Steven and Steven and Dave and Emily reveal red tires. So we've got our teams already set and we'll talk a little bit more about how they come together But for the challenge, uh, we see, you know, there's there's a lot of like extra complications this time around just because the logistics of the challenge. So what they said is now when you start building, you're going to have to decide which team member will serve as your driver and who's on the pit crew. Because essentially, if you're not the driver, you're on the pit crew because midway through the race. You're going to have to do a quick pit stop where the crews will have to repair any damage and change tires. It's like the real thing. This is insane. We're taking it to a whole new level here on Lego Masters. So yeah, I mean, there was like the both the building aspects and far more to the performative aspect of this challenge than we've seen before, you know. Obviously, Brian, like famously, your sister walked down a runway and spun around and had to keep her hands off the hat for five seconds. But this is a little bit more elaborate uh, than I think that we've seen before from the performance element, right?
2: Yeah, totally. I was thinking that as I was watching how much pressure there is on the driver. You know, that's a that's a big weight to pull for your entire team, whether or not you're, you're safe or not in this challenge. But that being said, there is the pit stop element, which as they were explaining the challenge was slightly unclear how that was going to manifest at this point in the challenge. I didn't know what that yeah. uh, that description entailed and we only found out as the race was actually taking place which we'll get to later but it ended up being much more of a team driven activity than i thought i thought really it was <laughs> the driver was going to really make it or break it for everybody and so that decision was critical but i was pleased to see that it ended up becoming really a, a, a team thing by the end
0: for sure well there's also a lot of elements to the build part of it because you know even though, as Amy said, there's an extra set of hands, there's also a couple key elements. Jamie said, this is really going to put your technical abilities to the test because your car is going to be vibrating and bouncing. So make sure to lock in those bricks because it's the only, it's only the strong build that gets across the finish line. But we also learn, because I, I don't know if there's a better place to put it in, but six hours into the challenge. We also learn uh, that, you know, if you want to do well in the race, often you want to be in what's called the pole position. I got a big NASCAR education in this one. And essentially the race team with the best looking car would earn the pole position when it's race time, which means you get to start out front. And so this is a huge advantage because oftentimes it seems like with NASCAR, it's more about getting the lead and then maintaining it by blocking your, your, you know, competitor, especially in a two car race. That's really all it is. Um, So I think, you know, getting that pole position was critical. But again, we've got a technical component, how strong your build is, and this aesthetics component, Dave, it reminds me, of course, of your demolition derby challenge, um, you know, kind of just at a a larger scale. But I know you're and you always take a lot of interest in these like multiple layers and components of the challenge so what did you think th- about this as a setup for the challenge
1: well when they first went over what the challenge was going to be and you heard jamie and amy i heard very very little about what they were looking for and <laughs> which made me feel like this was very low stakes it made me feel like relax this is not a big deal build a car if your car crosses the finish line first you win which i mean that that seemed like a, a pretty straightforward goal. And then they added the component of, well, whose car is going to be best looking? And it gets you pole position, which, I mean, great. Awesome. That's good. <laughs> uh, hopefully that will help you win. Um, but again, like this all seemed, everything about this episode seemed chill. It seemed like a total, totally different show. Amy and Jamie seemed relaxed. Will seemed relaxed. The contestants seemed relaxed. When they're going over these things, the way they're going over them for me just feels like this is not a big deal, guys. Just build something cool, and we'll have fun. <laughs> That's what it's it felt like.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that because you know we did note you know from a, uh, a rule standpoint they only had nine hours, you know, which we, as we always talk about, eight hours is the shortest challenge, and so nine hours isn't that much more. So. To your point, it should feel like the pressure is on in a nine hour challenge uh, just because there isn't much time and who's ever built a giant car before. But, you know, to your point, there there does seem to be a little bit of a of a change in tone. Um, But I know I, I guess I would hope that the. The, the contestants weren't tipped off, but they were just having a lot of fun. But why don't we jump in then to the build phase? And the build phase really started off by deciding who the driver would be. And so, you know, on the blue team, Brendan, you know, he sort of spoke up. He said, I'm an assertive driver. I've got good reflexes. He was giving his resume, you know, if you will. And uh, they all recognized that he just wanted the chance so bad. And I feel like, you know, Dave, when you're on the show, I feel like you're looking for these sorts of chances. Like when do you, when else are you going to get to do this? Would you want to be the driver if it was up to you?
1: I, I do like go-karts. Go-karts are very fun. And I like to go really <laughs> fast in go-karts and that would be super fun. But I also, you know, I have to think about my partner and he really likes driving and, you know, prides himself on his driving ability. So okay. I would always seed to my partner, if that's what he really wanted to do. So when there's somebody who really wants to do something, what do you got to, you got to give them a chance. I mean, he's, he's saying, I want to do it. So let him do it. Yes.
0: And it's better. It sounds like to have someone who wouldn't hesitate, Um, you know, uh, on the driver for the red team, uh, they decided that Emily should be the driver. They all, it was sort of a consensus just because you want someone small in there. Uh, And so like, you know, is that really the advantage here? Because small means light, you know? And so I think like that really became the central conceit of who, you know, would be doing what. But then I think the other interesting part about this challenge, you know, in terms of uh, all of this is that we got a lot of like comedic elements so, you know, when they came around to check in, you know, they checked in on Emily and they said, you know, like, uh, you know, they asked her, you know, how, how she is she as a driver? And, uh, you know, we we find out that Dave doesn't have a license, you know, so Emily apparently would have to drive him to get him around places. And, you know, and that's crazy. You know, I, I, I'm so surprised that even someone at, you know, I, I guess I don't know exactly how old Dave is, but. I have to imagine, you know, he would want to be able to drive places. But Brian, you know, you were the brother-sister team on on your season. You know, did Lauren drive you around? Did you drive Lauren around? How did did your license situation work
2: out? Oh, I definitely drove Lauren around every day to school. She remembers it well. Yeah, but um, I would not have chosen to drive in this challenge because I am definitely not a very aggressive driver. I'm like so safe, so by the books. So I think I would have wanted a more reckless driver, somebody who's got... Gotten a few speeding tickets to, to do it. But one thing yeah. about the, the <laughs> setup where, where they were all planning, I thought it was so interesting that they staged it all over on those tables by the brick pit. That was something we haven't really seen before, where yeah. the teams are are put together and are placed in those separate corners of the set and filmed individually in their like little planning stage. And I thought it looked visually really nice. And I thought it was really nice to have the guest come over. It was just a different setup for the show that I, I thought was a really cool decision.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's funny you say that you would be, you know, not aggressive enough to drive because one of the things I recall from our our preseason interview with you and Lauren was just that you were all so smiley. That was like something I, I noted on the podcast. And so you guys are just too sweet to be, you know, aggressive drivers. You, you guys were the, the cute, adorable team. You know, we need the aggressive team. You know, we need someone like Emily in there, you know, it's or, or Brendan, you know, who really wanted to get kind of get rough and tumble in it, if you will. We need that killer um, instinct. Yes. Well, we also heard that, you know, Greg, you know, Will asks, are you a safe driver? And he says, "Safe enough, you know." <laughs> do you yeah. have any? Do you, do you have any tickets? Uh, you know, or did uh, did Greg have any? Uh, or uh, it, uh, they asked Greg if Brendan was a safe driver, and he said, "Safe enough." But then they asked Brendan, "Did you have any tickets?" And he said, "Just a couple." Uh, but yeah, I mean, they're airing out all the dirty laundry on on you know national television. Uh, you know, but I, I think that they—it sounds like they picked, to your point, Brian, the right teams for this. And then when it came down to um, you know the actual building phase. We saw the two teams take very different approaches. So the blue team started off with the Technic. We saw this like incredibly complex Technic frame, this like skeletal You know, element here. And I feel like when you only have so much time, you know, I guess there's a few different ways you can go. But we saw, like I said, the blue team with this Technic Frame. We saw the red team with kind of the traditional brick stacking, brick building methods. But Dave, I know you're a strategic person. You know, how would you be approaching a build like this? You know, it's only nine hours and sure you've got four hands, but, you know, how do you ensure that you can get this thing done?
1: Well, it's really interesting pairings when you think about who the partners are. Like when I think about Steven and Steven, I'm thinking about when they, they did the castle and they stacked the plates on top of each other for strength at the bottom um, so that they would try to break the wrecking ball. And, you know, Dave and Emily have really shown themselves as a team that understands how to do some of those technic things. I mean, they they had some some missteps at the very beginning, but they they've been very solid and, you know, a team that's managed a lot. And so when you put those two teams together, I would expect them to do something that's really technically sound but instead they went totally the opposite direction and thought all about aesthetic aesthetics right like that's yeah. what their goal was and then you look at Nick and Stacy who's who are all about aesthetics and that <laughs> and but you know Brendan and Greg are very great technical builders and they're going straight for technical right there. So it's interesting how the two teams had to balance off of each other and whose ideas were able to come to the forefront. Um, you know, when I, if I'm thinking about this challenge, I'm trying to listen to the judges and what the judges are saying. And, you know, they want a team that can cross the finish line with an intact car. That's kind of what I was hearing. Uh, I'm not sure if that's exactly what the requirements were, but that's kind of what I was hearing. So. I'm looking at that car and it's a a big thing to cover. Probably one of the biggest things any team has ever had to make on Lego Masters, especially in nine hours. Well, it's kind of more like 18 hours because you have two pairs working together. Um, But I guess really the thing is time management. You're really trying to figure out, are we going to be able to cover this whole car with whatever our strategy is in that time? I I think the biggest thing that the judges probably wanted is don't show us that go-kart that's underneath. Make it look like it's totally built out of Lego.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think like to your point there, there's a lot of, you know, when you're balancing the team dynamic and Lego Masters in general is an interesting case study in the balancing of a team dynamic with the teams of two, but let alone the teams of four, I think you sort of, you know, get to an interesting point, which is like, who was the dominant voice? You know, who's the leader, you know, of the team? And maybe on the blue team because they went with that Technic frame, maybe it was Brendan and Greg, you know, they were, they, you know, build very strong. They, they know Technic well, maybe they were the leaders. But certainly later on we see Emily being kind of a, a leader of sorts on the red team, you know, kind of uh, being the, their editor. But yeah, it does. It is an interesting sort of like a, uh, Can we read between the lines and try to understand those things? But one funny thing I'm realizing we missed was right when they picked their, um, you know, who would be driving, they did a quick test drive. And, you know, so they get in the car, they're kind of getting their bearings and they go on a little race and Brendan crashes into this like three tiered cart breaks off a literal piece of the vehicle and you know Brian I, I'm remembering uh from the Derby challenge that sometimes when they attach Lego to real things that they're not perfectly in in system and things like that so I feel like breaking the the actual like pre-built elements of the of your car would be maybe an extra disadvantage than we even realize at home.
2: Yeah, unless it pushed it back into place where it actually wasn't system after all. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I do know that what they, they do with a lot of these things is that they'll glue Lego plates or Lego Technic bricks right onto these existing surfaces. And so you have to hope that they're going to be in system. And yeah, this probably did knock it even more out of system than maybe it was initially if it was at all. And so that can definitely be a disadvantage. I was feeling for them at this point, but also it was just so funny. <laughs> I was like looking at Brendan's face and just seeing how he was handling it as, as red as he made that impact. I just thought it was a funny moment. Um, but it didn't seem like it was too high stakes at the end of the day.
0: For sure. For sure. Well, let's dive into like some of this approach. So obviously we know that the red team was focused on aesthetics and they were going, you know, it was interesting. The, the red team looking back at my notes was asked twice what they were worried about in this challenge or what their biggest fear about was in this challenge. But what, And what they said was they wanted to make sure it was NASCAR, you know, very NASCAR. And the way that they were going to do it was by creating a lot of these Um, advertisements, as they said, you know, and and Jamie obviously was very proud of this. But the interesting thing that we learned a lot about was, uh, you know, what, what do you call a sticker that you add to the outside of a vehicle? You know, I would call it a decal. But Emily, you know, was very specific that it is called a decal. And this is something I'd never heard of this, this debate decal or decal. But Dave, is this something you're familiar with? You're a teacher. I feel like, you know, you should know this.
1: Well, I mean, sometimes I get out my um, uh, pencil crayons and I have a nice pasta dinner with my decals. Apparently these are all Canadian colloquialisms that we don't know about. But, you know, there's three Canadian teams and a Canadian host. So I'm sure everybody felt right at home saying decals. Yes. Well, you know, you know, this
0: is the podcast you come to to understand, you know, everything about the show. And so, of course, I had to do a mini deep dive on the word decal. Uh, And the interesting thing is, is that, you know, assuming we all speak English, you know, and that decal is an English word in the UK, you know, where English comes from, they also pronounce it decal, just like we do. But the word decal actually comes from a French word, which is, I'm going to butcher it, decal mani. And essentially what I think it is, is it's likely the French speaking parts of Canada that maybe have influenced this pronunciation because it's, it, it, well, I wouldn't say it's decal. It may have like assimilated into the word decal over time. Uh, but yes, they were very insistent. It came back later during the judging phase, even Um, but you know, the funny part is that this actually came up in a section around editing. You know, Emily was saying, knowing how important aesthetics will be, I'm finding I'm editing a lot. And we have a great quote from her where she's like, no, I hate it. Get rid of it. Don't add stuff just to add it. Everything needs to have a purpose. And, you know, Brian, I think of you as someone who really cares about the aesthetics. You know, what did did the Brickmaster say while you were on the show about editing? Because I feel like this does come up a lot. And so this might be an interesting just evidence of them learning as the competition has gone on.
2: Yeah, I I thought that was a a great thing that she pointed out. And just even using that word editing was was really great because that's just part of the creative process whenever you're making something is you have to edit down or take things out, shift them around. Um, But yeah, the, the Brickmasters definitely value having things in your build that can draw your eye whenever you're building towards icons building towards things that will stand out on tv that's always important and if you have too many things going on in your build that's ultimately going to take away from that icon so i think that might have been the approach that emily was going for we want to have a few key elements that are really going to stand out i heard her use the word it's going to pop you know like it's going to pop with yeah. color pop with something else you know like i think that's a big word that the brickmasters throw around as well. So you want to have elements in your build that will pop and not be distracted by a lot of other elements in your build. And I think that editing down is really helpful because you can get distracted when you have all these Decals, decals, stickers, whatever you want to call them, on your build that can really take away from the overall shape of the vehicle and the overall aesthetic and look of your car. So I thought that was a a really good thing, and it was funny that they showed it the way they did and just had Emily going around saying, "Take that out, take that out." I I was cracking up. Um, Yeah, but but I think in in principle that I think that can only help um just in, in our experience we definitely had that where you know we we were encouraged to well we were encouraged by the brick masters to add color to a build in one of our episodes <laughs> and, uh, with the, our windmill but then we're later told to take the color out because it was too distracting so you know, we we ran into a similar issue of, you know, how, if you have too much going on, if it's too busy, it's not going to play on TV and it's not going to play for the Brickmasters. So it's always something to be taking into account when you're on Lego Masters.
0: Yes. And, you know, we, we did hear Emily also say something like, you know how Amy loves color, you know, and it's so interesting that it's like... Um, you know, like uh, you know the the contestants have become sentient. You know, like they know what the show's about, <laughs> and you know, I think the other piece that was a, kind of an interesting discussion here was around their use of red and white, and like, was that was it too red and white? And so I think like that becomes uh, you know, kind of a challenge. You know, and if I could say one other fun c- color thing was that when we go to the uh, blue team, they wanted to obviously build a blue car, and uh, there's a little throwaway line that I felt like maybe Dave, is our color theory expert on the podcast. Would appreciate Nick just says, keep in mind the front could be blue and the sides could be medium azure. And you know, that is like the official like Lego name for that like medium blue color. But I thought if anyone would appreciate that little throwaway line that they left in the edit, it'd be Dave. What did you think?
1: I mean, Nick is like a through and through Lego guy, he understands Lego from top <laughs> to bottom. You know, he's got Lego ideas submissions all about the the idea of the history of the Lego brick and the patent he is totally entrenched in the lego world so i'm not surprised to hear this kind of stuff from nick he is the nerd's nerd for our, for lego fans
0: <laughs> yeah he's he's our nerdy avatar on the show um but yeah it was very cute but the interesting thing that happened on the blue team was that they had, you know, I like guess i said, spent all that time building that Technic cage. They worked so long, but no one was really concerned about the aesthetics, except for maybe Stacey. Um, we see a lot of time in the show that she's like, um, she says, I'm hoping really soon here, we're going to just put a lot of focus on the aesthetics, she says to the Brickmasters. And it's sort of like we were talking about, like, can Stacy, who knows the right thing, convince these three guys to like put the Lego Technic pins away? and like start building some of the aesthetics. And I feel like that must happen a lot, even when you're in a team of two, you know, with your builds, like Dave, talk, talk me through like how you, how you negotiate these things with your partner.
1: I mean, it, it is interesting. You, you really do have to budget time and you have to decide like, we're going to spend this much time on this, this much time on this. And there's always your must haves, your, your like to haves and maybe if we have time, we'll add this. And I think what everybody else was really focusing on was finishing that car and Stacy's bringing in no, but we have to have something that looks somewhat like a car. It has to have yeah. some <laughs> some things, but you know, not taking anything away from Nick and Stacy, but they're good at making flat things to put on something really fast. <laughs> like, they, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. They've made some, like some of the characters they make, they're really good at doing it really quickly. And it looks good. So that You know, maybe Nick and Stacy knew at the end, like that's not a problem. We can take care of that. We can get that stuff knocked out. It'll look really good, and it's the perfect medium for us to stick something flat on something else flat. Yeah.
0: Well, they had a fun theme to their car. It was all '90s because they realized they're '90s kids. You know, so they should do a '90s themed car. And they had a little, a little cheer of sorts that I felt like we should, we should talk about. So they said, "You're red. We're blue. We're here." To beat you, 90s kids.
1: (laughs) I'm pretty sure 90s kids all get a trophy and they all get an orange slice at the end so i'm not sure if beating anybody is anything about what the 90s are about but i'll see to brian since he's a 90s kid
2: yeah as a 90s kid i unfortunately agree with that and i got orange slices all the time so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep, yep, that was a that was a really fun little shout out to the 90s which you know i kind of cross over between the, being a 90s kid and the 2000s kid but uh it, it was funny to see all those references for sure
0: yes well i was a 90s kid for sure sure. And I uh, but my favorite part was uh, Dave's response where he said, we don't care.
1: <laughs> I really feel like this episode was the Dave and Emily comedy show episode. Yeah. Um, I think that if anybody's <laughs> going to give Natalie a run for her money, it's those two.
0: Okay. All right. Well, that was all the, the major highlights I had from the build phase. So let's jump into the actual NASCAR race. So in mere moments, the cars are going to hit the track. But before the rubber meets the road, the Brickmasters are going to take a look at both cars to see which which is their favorite. But something is missing. Maybe if we had a NASCAR Hall of Famer to help us out, Jeff Gordon's back here for the judging phase. And this, I will say Jeff Gordon gave actual feedback on both cars. That was like, not terrible. We're going to talk about it, but I will say this is like the most involved. I feel like a celebrity guest has been in the competition yet, uh, uh, you know, Brian, what did you think about this? Would, yeah, you, would I thought you like that was, a celebrity judge?
2: Yeah, I thought that was great. He was just ready to go. He was so natural and just giving feedback on the builds. He jumped right in, was commentating on the race. I just loved how integrated Jeff Gordon was into the whole process. And that's got to be really cool and really intimidating as a builder to be getting that feedback from not only the brick masters, but then you throw on the feedback from a hall of fame NASCAR driver. Like that's a, that's a lot of weight put on to your Car in terms of judging, but uh, I, I thought it was really fun to watch. I, I thought Jeff Gordon was just a natural at doing it too.
0: Yes, I feel like well, you know, I feel like once you stop doing your sport, you sort of like become like a uh, like a figurehead, a speaker, a commentator. So he must be very familiar with this. But why don't we jump into the builds? So the red team, their car was of course the Red Rocket, and you know this is a pretty fun car the way it came together. Dave, why don't you kick us off with the Red Rocket? What was your take on the aesthetics portion of this build?
1: Well, I, I am a little surprised that that name made it past the sensors. <laughs> I'm not sure how that happened, but uh, that's okay. Don't Google that. And please don't Google that. Um, it was really interesting. <laughs> it was kind of like two cars, like the front, the grill um, really seemed like an old fifties car. It seemed like yeah. one of these big headlights, this, this big radiator grill. Um, and then it started to get like much sleeker as it went on. And you could tell they really focused a lot on the front of the car. And then as it got more toward the back, it seemed like, let's just lay some bricks down fast. Um, but there was a lot of sculpting going on uh, in the front. And you know Jamie commented how they left the wheels uncovered. One of my favorite strategies, leaving the wheels uncovered on a red car. Um, But it, it looked good. It had a really good shape. And the decals really sold it. I mean, it really did feel like a NASCAR car because of all those. And there were so many great references to the builders themselves, to their previous builds. They really personalized it, and they made it something that I wanted to get. I mean, you know, Amy always talks about how, like, you want to be able to see something from far away and then be drawn into the little details. And I I wanted to go around and look at all those little decals and see what they were all about and find out more about what each one was. And there was really great usage there in placement. And. I think there was really great editing done by the team in thinking about how are we going to sell this as a NASCAR car?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, your your decal breakdown is coming uh, shortly because uh, I took down notes on everything I could find. But uh, but yeah, I mean, this is definitely a, an interesting shaped car to your point. It starts really wide at the front. It sort of tapers in around the wheels and then comes back out wide. Um, I sort of felt like it looked like like a really nice like kind of uh, retro sneaker. <laughs> I, I wanted to like, slip my foot in it as if it was like a race car slipper was sort of how I felt like it looked but Brian what did you think
2: yeah I really enjoyed this one uh I thought the uh the studs up brick built sculpting what was really fun to see like they really went for it um I feel like we we've seen that in a lot of uh Stephen and Stevens builds I'm thinking yeah. back to their Dalmatian as well that they did um and and also they did some uh studs not on top with their their uh, bullfrog. So they definitely have a sense of that big scale sculpting. And I thought that really showed in this build and I'm sure Dave and Emily contributed a ton to that too. Um, but I really was interested in how on top of all of those studs, they put cheese slopes, which is very atypical when you're, when you're doing this brick built sculpting, they put little tiny slopes to round off all those edges. So you're not seeing any of the studs. I thought that was a really different t- technique to kind of make it all feel a bit more smooth. Um, yeah, I, I agree with Dave. I thought the the decals were were awesome. <laughs> I noticed a lot of call outs to, you know, just what I know from from following those two teams online, you know, call outs to their Instagram handles, which are maybe references to something else. I love the little TM that was on the on the front of the car. Um, and, and I also really liked how they they transitioned the the hood, you know, they went from that that kind of brick built studs up uh, sculpting. But then for the hood of the car, it was More of that technic frame, you know, kind of stronger structure. That's I assume has a lot of technic underneath. Um, And I wonder if that was intentional, if it was aesthetic or a combo of both technical and aesthetic. Um, Another thing that I wanted to point out, just in these cars, that had me thinking back to our time on Lego Masters, is that they have to make room for a little camera on there too, and that's something they have to (laughs) incorporate into their building and thinking about the build. And when the camera is put in such a prominent spot, on your hood, you have to build around that. And so I was looking at the ways that, that each team did that and the ways that they, they tried to cover their little camera that that's going to be looking right at the at the driver. So yeah, all, all in all, I, I thought this this uh, red car was really awesome. Uh, I thought it, it had uh, a lot of great techniques that, that I'm very partial to. And uh, it, it was just a, a really fun thing that embraced the spirit of the challenge really well.
0: For sure, for sure. So yeah, so for your for your deco breakdown, um, on the front, there was a bumper sticker that said yo-yo, which is actually one of the Stevens Instagram handle, which is yo-yo firebricks. On the back, there's a spoiler. Um, and the license plate they mentioned, 1867, which is the year Canada was founded as a country. But the actual spoiler said Taterna Motorsport, which is the name of the Will Arnett superhero from their camp build, from Steven and Steven's superhero camp. On the right hand side, There was, of course, a big 67. It said the word crash, which is, of course, one of the other Stephen's nickname. There is a frog oil logo, which is that bullfrog from the bull riding challenge uh, from Stephen and Stephen. On the left hand side, I wasn't sure about this one. It just said oil. Okay. Uh, And then there was a carrot from Dave and Emily's pirate ship build, uh, which was all kind of vegetable theme. And there was the word lettuce, uh, which is, of course, another Instagram handle brick lettuce, which is, of course, uh, Dave's, uh, Instagram handle on the center on both sides. It said the word fossil fuel in yellow and green, which is from Dave and Emily's dinosaur build from the Jurassic world challenge. And then we also see two LM three stickers or decals, I should say in a kind of graffiti style, which is also a throwback to the dinosaur challenge, which was, uh, Steven and Steven had a billboard with that same LM three kind of graffiti style logo, um, so yes, a lot of de- of decals all over. Hopefully I didn't miss any, uh, but yeah, I mean, overall, I thought this was a really nice car. I think they did a really just great job to your point, getting all that shaping. I do think that maybe, especially kind of on that white section, there was a lot of additional color especially like the LM three was like lime and orange and pink. And I sort of felt like some of those pops of color may have been a little bit distracting. But of course, I'm nitpicking because it was so good to begin with. So uh, but yes, really loved it. And and I'm a I'm a fan of an Easter egg, you know, so I I thought that was pretty great. I think the only thing that we we didn't talk about too much was how the back was very open. They hadn't enclosed the back of the car. And that spoiler was sort of the, the rear element, but it wasn't It didn't add the sort of great finished quality that this team uniquely had on the sides of their build. Um, But yes, you know, and then the only other thing I'll say is that their spoiler was very trapezoidal, uh, which seemed a little unnatural, but it was too cool. So I'll let it slide. Well, let's move on to the blue team. Their build was electric blue, this nineties themed car like we were talking about. So why don't we start with our nineties kid, Brian? What did you think of electric blue?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I thought the the color was really great. I really enjoyed the combination of that classic Lego blue and the medium azure, as we talked about that, that <laughs> Nick called out. And I loved how they they used wedges to kind of get that shaping all the way across as kind of a stripe, and then continued it through with those really cool lightning bolts. I thought that was a really cool feature that they added. Uh, another thing I really loved was that front grill. Like when you got a really good front on look at the car like that that grill that they built out underneath that kind of curved canopy of the front was really well built and i love the look of the headlights it had this like 90s look it looked like a little dated and i just thought that looked awesome (laughs) it was very cool um, there, there were some, some things that I, I kind of was nitpicking on it, some of the, the kind of um, details that were added, like the the little 90 on the side of the sun pattern and some of the, the details that were put on the back felt to me like They were a bit added on, like in a last minute kind of way. And so I was hoping to see all of the details a bit more integrated into the overall aesthetic. So that was one thing that that I note about this one from an aesthetic point of view. But at the same time, some of those details really stood out to me Uh, as a 90s kid. The the little VHS tape that I saw was on there was awesome. And they had a little cassette tape. Those were super well built and were really fun to see. Um, and, and I also got a kick out of the tiny little windshield that they put in the front there. They did like a little row of like translucent slopes get to, yeah. to get across <laughs> the, the sense of a windshield. I assume they had some rule that they probably couldn't build that windshield all the way up to impede anything in terms of, you know the driver's visibility. But I, I thought that, yeah, that this car was was overall really solid. I had a few little things with, with the details tacked on. Um, I I will just add one other thing that I I think we've touched on before, but in terms of strategizing for where you put kind of the main bulk of the car, I thought it was interesting that The blue team put it all in the front and all in the back, and those to me seem like the two places where they had the uh, the bricks uh, glued down to build off of. So it seems like the blue team really built directly off of the the areas that were provided to build off of, and they built really strong structures on top of those two places left the middle without anything. Whereas the red team, in my opinion, it was a bit more audacious and a little bit risky, built out all the way along the side where there were no stud connections and built out that whole door. But in exchange, they weren't able to complete their whole back. So it feels like in nine hours, you only had enough time to do a certain amount of sides of the car. There was really like no achievable way to get all the way around the entire car so it was interesting to see how each team prioritized differently on which parts of the car they wanted covered
0: yeah i mean great points all around part of me wondered if maybe because it was brendan instead of emily that his knees would poke out too much on the sides being in this small car Mm -hmm. and they had to leave it exposed versus for emily because she was so small and they talked even in the build phase about building her into the car and she was like sitting in the driver's seat almost the whole time, that maybe that was a little bit more conducive. That's a weird theory I had, but... Oh, it makes we'll, sense. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to see how it, uh, it pans out in my postseason deep dives with everybody. But Dave, what did you think about Electric Blue?
1: I think uh, just to, to talk a, a second about what Brian was talking about, about how the red team, they started, they seemed to have these white sections that connected the front and back together right away. Um, and maybe that wasn't their idea of a way to to build that strength, but I, I mean, watching the episode, I was speculating the same thing with you, Michael, about is this a place for some a driver to put their knees? Was this where Brendan wanted to put his knees? Um, but I thought, you know, first of all, it was a very soapbox derby looking car. I think somebody even talked about that. Like that front really looked like a soapbox racer. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really liked the section that you was in right in front of the steering wheel. But then like because the grill was at an angle, you couldn't see all those really great details that were on the grill. Um, It was just a little hard to see no matter where you were unless you're like right in front of it. Um, So I was a little sad to miss those because there were so many great details there. And the back was really well shaped, but I would have just liked something that connected the front and back together, even if it's just like a a sideboard that, or or a rudder board, whatever you call it, just to to make it feel a little more cohesive. But I thought it was a really smart strategy. It looked good. They definitely kept with the theme, um, reminded me, the lightning bolts, I really like the lightning bolts on the front, and then the lightning bolts on the back. Uh, seemed like, let's just put these on the back. Um, (laughs) It didn't quite work for me, but it definitely seemed 90s. Like, let's throw some extra stuff on. That's the very 90s thing to do uh, in design. Uh, So I guess it fit their theme. um, And... uh, you know, it was a it was good strategy. Uh, it looked good. It was colorful, and you could tell that they like they bought into everything that's on there goes toward their concept.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think to your point, there was a lot of those extra like uh, details that sort of. To me, like I was like, oh, but is it too cluttered? Like I, all those little circles um, or, or they had like pink stripes, uh, you know, kind of going up the sides and, in addition to all the blue, you know, so there, there was a lot of those elements. And then I remember I had a bedspread that I'm pretty sure looked exactly like this, you know, as a kid. So it was probably more dead on to 90s. And maybe that's a reason why we don't like care for that aesthetic anymore, because <laughs> we've like evolved our tastes a little bit. But no, they really nailed it. Um, You know, great color scheme, really interesting design to your point, that angled front the way they had it. Um, And, you know, they also had a lot of decals themselves. Uh, So I, of course, have another decal breakdown for you. Um, On the right hand, uh, I should say on the front of the car, there was the 90s logo. So a big 90 on the front. And it also had, it was encased in a circle, but also a triangle. And I feel like that's that overlap of geometric shapes was very 90s. Uh, And then on the right hand side, there was a cassette tape, a mini version of Brendan and Greg's spaceship from the first challenge. Uh, That orange and gray element that there, we see a little lime green and white logo, and that is of course to fans of Nick, the Brick and Nick logo, his logo, and uh, that was, and then obviously there was a big lightning bolt, and then the 90s in a sunburst style design. On the left hand side, there was a VHS tape, like we talked about. It said LM3 for Lego Masters 3. And then there was also a mini build of Nick and Stacy's spaceship from that first challenge. Uh, so they had that in there as well. At the back, they had this epic spoiler. I feel like I, we have to give that its due. The shaping, the, the the sheer size of it, like it really, really added so much. And I loved it. And then they had these sort of like simple panels that kind of came to a point at the back to enclose it. So I wouldn't say it was like thoroughly closed, but it was closed, you know, so I really did like that. On the right-hand side of that, there was a sticker. Oh gosh, I couldn't make this out. I want to say it said Waram, W-H-A-R-A-M, because it was written in the, like the dots font that Jamie wrote. And that's how I would translate that. I could be wrong. My other thought was maybe it was like two flowers and it said Mara or Kara. I-, I don't know. Someone have beard. to write this in and, te- and tell oh, us what oh, that was.
2: My my theory was whabam. <laughs> I thought that's what it said. W h a b a m, which I don't think is a real word, but that was my that was my two cents.
0: I like whabam. Um, <laughs> and then on the left hand side, there was circles, another logo that I couldn't couldn't quite make out. It looked like it was like kind of like an at symbol that had like an s in it. So maybe I thought maybe that was a Stacy reference. I wasn't sure, so I apologize. And then at the very bottom, at the very center, and they cut it off in mo- in most of the shots. There was a mini build of Nick and Stacy's winning treehouse from the treehouse challenge, Uh, the big like two by four brick with the trees. So, yes, a lot of really great details there. Um, And the other detail that I didn't notice, but Jeff Gordon, you know, Lego Masters expert did notice was that there was some dials on the inside and kind of gauges on the dash. And they did give us one good zoom in of it. And it was sort of like, you know, a dial with a you know little pointer element, but there was a lightning bolt coming off of it. Sort of like it was going so fast that like lightning was coming off of it. So I really liked that. Kind of a back to the future kind of a, of a element for me. But yeah, that was a really exciting little detail that even I missed. Uh, but yeah, he he also felt like, a lower profile in the front would have been made it look even faster. But a lot of really great elements. Amy loved the center element there with kind of how those lightning bolts were coming off of the back. Such a fun detail and a dynamic silhouette, she said. And then uh, overall, though, you know, they they still were missing that middle section like we were talking about. So, yes, uh, it was one of those great things uh, to see it all come together. And it was unique to see how both teams Took a very different, cha- different, uh, you know, approach with this challenge, but this episode is not over. We, are, we still have about a third of the episode left, if you're looking at the time, because we have to get into the actual race. And this was actually a really fun element that I sort of wasn't expecting, but it must be because Fox airs NASCAR, but they had these like fully animated Fox NASCAR logos and like intros. We see Jeff and Jeff Gordon and Will as the commentators talking about how the red teams got the pole position and we get these driver intros, these animated like, you know, it's like I, I think of it always like the football players where they introduce themselves and all that sort of stuff in the, in the football uh, games. But yeah, this was super exciting. We see Brandon, he's six feet tall. He's a web designer. And he has one goatee that Will is named Charlie. And then Emily, she's only one. Her nationality is Canadian. That's her defining characteristic, of course. And she is voted most likely to fly off the handle. Uh, but, you know, Dave, what did you think of just the spectacle and like the production element of this intro?
1: Hey, you know, if you're going to spend your money somewhere, maybe this is the place to spend it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. Well, it was a lot of fun. We also see a uh, an interesting attempt at a two F-16 flyover with some brick built F-16s that, that Jeff and Will sort of uh, kind of pathetically swooped across the balcony section. Um, but we, of course, have to jump into the race. And like Brian, like you were saying earlier, a lot of the rules of this race, we only find out now about 20 minutes left in the episode. Uh, the Lego Masters 500. The rules are there are 10 laps. You must pit at on lap five. And, we're, and there you'll repair any damage in the time it takes to change two tires. And the winners will be safe from elimination. This is actually the first time I think they said that the winners would be safe from elimination. And we get into the race itself. Brian, before I give a play-by-play, what did you think of the race on TV?
2: I thought it was a blast. I loved the buildup. Like you said, all the graphics, all the the... Top and circumstance before the race began was super fun. I cracked up when they said start your engines and then there was just silence and then Emily just said vroom. I thought that was very (laughs) funny. Um, yeah. And and then the the way the race went down was really exciting to watch. Um, just big picture. I, I really loved seeing the way that weight really played into this, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about how, you know, really that was a huge factor, how, how much your car weighed and how much the, the driver was weighing it down. I thought that was interesting. And then also I was having to learn and figure out what was going on as I was watching it because the pit stop had so many elements that were not Previously explained that I had to figure out live as they were happening, what the builders were doing as they were breaking apart this tire, rebuilding it, just all of that. And I'm sure what we'll get into it, but it was just this crazy experience of watching a very exciting race and having to like live (laughs) figure out what was going on and like follow all of the action. Uh, So overall, it made for a really exciting. Exciting race and had some fun twists and turns in it, too, that, that made the, the winner kind of unexpected. Yes.
0: Well, just, you know, we see that Emily is in the pole position. And as we start the race, Emily, most likely because of this weight difference, gets a huge lead by Emily. Uh, by lap three, Emily is close to lapping Brendan and the blue team is looking at the pit stop as their only chance. And so let's talk about that pit stop. So for the pit stop, there were two Lego tires that were brick built tires that had black pieces on it to represent the rubber of said tires. The team's job was to strip the tires of that black of those black elements and rebuild the tire to your point, Brian, with their color corresponding to their team. So the blue team would put on blue elements. The red team would put on red elements. And it looked like there was bricks all the way around. And some bricks on the front side. Maybe also on the back, it was a little unclear with how fast it was going, but some, some bricks on all of the sides. And and this was like a little bit more elaborate, like, like you were saying, than I thought it was. Dave, is this what you thought a, a pit stop was like in a real NASCAR race? I had no idea there was so much Lego involved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well... I will say I was not expecting this. I had no idea what they meant when they said we were going to change tires. Uh, so um, I will say that the action changing the tires seemed a little faster than the speed of the cars going around the track. <laughs> so um, at least there was some action happening um, because I, I, I mean, I, I, if I'm watching NASCAR, I'm hoping for speed and maybe to see uh, a safe crash. <laughs> uh so I I think this was the most action of the race so far and uh it was exciting to see like oh there's actually going to be some strategy here and there's two teams with two different strategies and how did the strategies play out um I think most lego builders hate taking apart plates stacked on top of each other so if you ask us to take a whole bunch of plates that are stacked on top of each other apart we're like give us a brick separator and uh no problem but these people just have to pull them apart with your your hands. So, uh, doesn't look fun. Uh, looks yeah. like a lot of good work.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. So the red, of course, with their huge red team with their huge lead, they hit the pit stop first They're Like I said, they have to change out those elements and we see that their strategy was Steven and Dave will be changing out the tires since they're much faster and Crash will be dealing with Emily. And what that meant was, you know, giving her, you know, kind of a towel to towel her forehead, you know, making sure she's really comfortable. And part of me felt like that was what they wanted them to do for like the hilarity of it. Um, But it sounds like they wouldn't even let Crash help because when Emily says, you can help them, Crash says, they don't want me to. And the blue team, you know, they hit the pit stop second. They're stripping all the pieces off. And while they're doing that, Stacy is sorting the blue pieces for them. So, you know, there was two tires. So it really did take two people to strip the tires. I don't know that a third person could get involved there, but the team had a great approach to getting everything ready. And we actually see that approach do incredibly well for them because the t- the blue team is able to finish first. You know, Brian, what did you think about this performance and kind of their this team's approach?
2: Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, I was just cracking up at at Crash <laughs> helping out Emily. Like that was the funniest thing in the world to me. Like is that oh, here's the water bottle and here's the towel. I just thought it showed the camaraderie between the teams. It shows that they, they really like each other. And that's something that's so true of Lego Masters. You become so bonded to your fellow contestants and it becomes such a close knit group. And I thought you you really got a sense of that, that this challenge and that moment really showed it for me. So so I was a big fan of that. Um and and yeah I think strategy wise, uh, like you said Michael the the blue team just nailed it. Um, They seemed like they were just ready to go. Like Greg was just like chomping at the bit, ready to just tear all those pieces off and put the new ones on. You saw his fingers going lightning speed. Um, And and I thought that having somebody sorting the bricks ended up being a really good strategy and they really capitalized on that time. Whereas the red team had a, had a definite slowdown that made for a really exciting twist in the challenge. Um, But yeah, to to second what Dave said, having to, to speed strip off all of these bricks and then put a ton of bricks back on is really challenging and that's a different type of speed building exercise that lego masters doesn't usually encourage it doesn't in, in its own way but it's usually like build you know this this grand thing it's not like just functionally take apart bricks and put them on as fast as you can and that's all that matters so it was really interesting to see that sort of of speed building approach that kind of brought all the teammates together um i was just thinking about it from like a A challenge creator perspective. And I thought this was a really cool way to involve all of the teammates and Lego and still have like this exciting race where, you know, the person driving the car is going to be the focal point, but you still get the whole team involved. So I thought it was really clever. I just wish that we had known that they were going to do that earlier. That was my only thing I was... Really not sure why we were learning that that was what they were doing as they were doing it. But, you know, other than that, I, I really loved how this all came together.
0: Yes. I think like in the, in the show Survivor, we'll see what they call the dream team do, do the challenge as Jeff explains it, as Jeff Propes, the host, explains it. So these are like a faceless group of survivory looking people who are executing the challenge just for that footage. So you can see like, you're going to hop over the bridge and then you're going to do this puzzle and whatever it is. So I feel like we needed a dream team, you know, to be able to show us how it was going to work. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. The blue team finishes first and the red team's right behind. The blue team gets out of the pit stop quicker, but Emily's right behind and the blue is able to hold the line. Emily, you know, she's even like trying, she's getting frustrated. She's trying to lap, you know, to get around and Emily loses a little bit of uh, her stability and actually breaks off the back of her car and so part of me was like okay strength this should this should be a judging ding uh but uh we see that the blue team wins and yes this was super fun you know it's crazy to think even that they did it in the studio um, you know, part of me thought, you know, Dave, like, should they should they have not had the teams who were together and have four cars? Would it have been more fun with four cars or would they have not even have had room? I mean, you know, the studio better than me. So what, what, what would you think about that?
1: It's clear that they were pushing the limits of what would fit yeah. uh, in there. <laughs> uh, I'm sure they would have liked to get that track bigger. I'm I'm guessing they would have liked to get those cars a little bit faster, too. So that uh, you could have a chance to pass, um, but again, it just seemed like it was fun. This didn't seem like yeah. <laughs> super high stakes, uh, so I think that everybody's having fun. Yes,
0: I feel like we needed like you know some Mario Kart power ups. You know, like I think somebody needed a banana or like maybe a mushroom to get like a little boost. You know, I'm thinking of like in Fast and the Furious where they hit the nos. You know, I think like uh, they, we needed those elements. I feel like it would have only taken it up a notch and made it even more chaotic. Uh, maybe when we get official Mario Kart sets, we'll get that in the Lego Masters Challenge. But overall, I thought the race was a lot of fun. You know, like like I said, I feel like this was the most TV spectacly episode that we've probably had, uh, you know, on the show period. Um, and I think like that was a lot of fun. And to your point, Dave, I think the teams had a lot of fun with it, uh, which I think was very exciting. But this also made the results of this challenge a little bit different. So normally there's a top 2 and a bottom 2, but the top 2 teams were the blue team because they because they won. So that makes Nick and Stacy and Brandon and Greg safe from elimination. And we see Stacy waving the checkered flag. And our bottom 2 teams are, of course, the red team. And, you know, this is always like the hard part about when you do challenges like this is that, you know, you get a little unlucky and now you're at risk where like maybe like, you know, their car was more aesthetically pleasing. They should have never been at risk. Um, But we see that, you know, ultimately the pit stop let them down. And, you know, they said, we brought two teams together for this challenge. We do have to judge you as individuals. So this is tough. And Will says, I really wish there was an easy way to make this decision. Like if I was just given some sort of sign and he brings out a yellow flag He whips it out. And of course, it says, no one goes home. Uh, You live to race another day. Dave, I feel like this had to be at least slightly unsatisfactory to you.
1: I mean, I I saw it coming the whole way. I don't, I think (laughs) Justin saw it coming the whole way. I think that there were very little stakes in this episode but I still had fun in this episode. And For sure. I, I, while it didn't, I, you know, I think we all know, I think I think everybody was like, there's no way anybody's going to be sent home here. It just doesn't make sense the way everything's set up. Uh, it doesn't feel like an episode where people are going home. Everyone's relaxed. Everything's chill. Even the editing makes it seem very chill. They're trying at the very end to give us like, oh, well, maybe someone's going to go home. But the whole time I'm just like, yeah, OK, let's just this was a fun episode what this episode really was was a chance for us to get to know who these people were so we can really decide who do we want to root for at the end who is the team we are pulling for uh it's a chance to get to know everybody and decide i really like them and everybody was really portrayed in a wonderful light in this episode and you can see that these are all wonderful people and i'd be happy to spend an hour with them having fun building lego And that's, I think, what's wonderful about the Australia show is that it slows down a little bit to have more episodes like this, where this, I mean, I would have liked maybe if there was a little reward for finishing first, other than, you know, bragging rights. I I do want to circle back and say, when the red team won for Best Aesthetics, I was like, oh, Dave and Emily finally won. And then I remembered, <laughs> oh, but it doesn't actually, they didn't actually win. Um, but it was fun. I hope that LEGO Masters US looks at this and says, maybe we should have less elimination episodes. And sometimes it's nice if the builders know it's not a elimination episode because you take more risks, you show more creativity. It makes it more fun for the viewers.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think to your point, it was sort of easy to see from the get-go because it would have been too hard to decouple what one team did versus another. And it's very clear that these are challenge to challenge decisions. It's not like the sum total of your work in the competition thus far, because we've seen great teams go out on the first challenge they fail at, and we've seen teams be in the bottom, you know, multiple times and not go home, you know, and, and it's because they had the slightly better build. So I, I did appreciate that, you know, that, that it was that way. And and I'd be curious to your point, if they knew Uh, part of me wonders, like to your point, if there would, if this had come earlier in the season, it could have been an interesting place to put an advantage, you know, like the winning team gets an extra hour in the next challenge or something like that, because then to your point, it was a non-elimination challenge, but there's huge stakes because the advantage is that good. Uh, you know, on Survivor, if I I talk about Survivor a lot, but they have the reward competition, you know, so there's, that's that's not for immunity. It's not for anything else. It's just to get a reward. Obviously that gives you an advantage because usually there's food and and comfort and that helps prepare you to do better in the immunity challenge, the next challenge. And so I do feel like there's probably an element even to add a little bit of gamesmanship into it, but also keep it really fun because Like I said, I do feel like the teams were so tense at this point last season that it was really nice, even to your point for us at home to get that step down, you know, of tension and all that sort of stuff. Um, But, you know, you bring up an interesting point, Dave, which is we learned a lot about everybody and now we might have some rooting interest. And next week, while it's a very strange episode, I will say, because it is Really, it's a two-hour episode, but you could consider it the last two episodes put together as a two-hour episode. It's really two challenges, really two separate episodes, but back-to-back. But I have to ask, Brian, now that you've gotten to spend an hour race car driving with all these people, who are you rooting for going into the finale?
2: Yeah, it's a great question and a very tough pick. I'm I'm excited about all of these teams, and I, I've really enjoyed watching them all the way through. Um, I, I think... Um, Gosh, it is tough to pick Michael, but if I were to <laughs> throw out, I I'm excited about what Steven and Steven are doing and have been doing. Um I I really enjoyed their their larger brick built sculptures. Um, I think that can serve you really well, especially looking at these next two challenges. You know, we we see this fountain challenge that looks crazy and could really <laughs> be well suited to that kind of sculpting. And then a finale build is usually something massive. And I I feel like they, they've they really shown uh, they can do that really well, which has always been very exciting for me to watch. Um, I also, you know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of what Dave and emily are doing and watching them has been a joy and i i just think that they're hilarious and i want to see their humor <laughs> all the way through to the end and uh they yeah they just crack me up and have shown really strong building throughout and have gone through ups and downs and showed some really brilliant builds and i think their their journey is is one that I really want to see come to an exciting conclusion. So I guess if I were to say, like, I, I'm I'm slightly edged out to toward those two teams, but I'm really excited about all of the teams. And I can't wait to watch these these last two episodes.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, to your point about Dave and Emily, it does feel like they're heating up, you know, like they, you know, kind of at the start of the show, I feel like, You know, they, they were doing just fine. Episode three, the bull riding challenge, they were in the bottom two, but I feel like every week they get better and better. They've been in the top two, you know, so many challenges in a row. So yeah, it definitely is like kind of one of those, um, you know, uh, Cinderella stories. It almost feels like. But Dave, you know, who are you rooting for? You know, as we as we go on into the end. Now, listen, we're all rooting for everyone. Okay, for the record, yeah. we're all rooting okay. for everyone. We're,
1: we are all rooting for everyone. It's interesting, Michael, because you know I've listened to all your episodes, and last season you always asked the guests, like, who are you rooting for? And this this is the first time you've asked the guests who they're rooting for this season so it's true um, it's true it's true all right i i'm rooting for dave and emily to get a win they need a win they haven't had a win yet i really want dave and emily to have a win i am also i want to see everyone's final build i want to see everyone get to the end um you know every team has something they're good at i'm not going to go through the minutiae and and say what (laughs) every team is good at but It's fun to see the journey that these teams have taken Um, since since Brian said two teams, I'll say the other two teams just to be different. So, you know, I want to see what Brendan and Greg are going to do, because I think it's going to be something totally different. I think they're a little, they're they're just more technical. They're gonna do something that is gonna be interesting. It's gonna be a little more different from what the other three teams do. Um, I feel like, you know, the other three teams have people who are very entrenched in the AFOL community, um, where Brendan and Greg don't seem as much in there. Um, so they're thinking a little differently. Um, and then Nick and Stacy, I would love to see what they do in a final build because. They've had such a, I mean, when they've been in the bottom, you know, people are complaining about how they've been in the bottom four weeks in a row. Well, you know, some of that's just bad luck. You know, their builds didn't always seem like bottom build. It was just like bad luck in that case. So I would love to see their final build and what they would come up with and how that would represent who they are. In their communities absolutely So there every team has been mentioned like exactly. right? so you have to yeah, say something awesome.
0: else well i will i will i mean i think i think to your point like nick and stacy they're not in the bottom because they're a bad team i think to your point like one of the the camp challenge you could argue they were the in the bottom because of interpretation not because of a build at all or not because of their mechanism which was really incredibly impressive you know so i think to your point sometimes it is just luck, you know, it's and because all the teams are so good, you know, so I think I, I don't I don't count them out at all. And I think to your point, with you know, if the final build is another 24 hour challenge, this could finally be the challenge that Nick and Stacey get to shine in because they've sort of been constrained by all the unique challenges that have come that maybe weren't their, their best, you know, uh, like, you know, their most excited challenge for them. Like we talked about in a previous episode you know, recently, like sometimes the challenge speaks to you, sometimes it doesn't. You know, so the fact that they've been able to do so well, maybe in some of those other challenges, despite some of the challenges that they've had during them with 24 hours, I know how creative this team is, it'd be unbelievable to see, you know, and even like what we talked about in the camp challenge, you know, Brendan was working on insane mechanisms with 24 hours, you know, what could he do, you know, so, you know, let alone Greg the sculpting he did on the dog was like insane. So like, I feel like that's like a powerhouse team and an interesting combination. Like I said, Dave and Emily, Cinderella story, you know, started from the bottom. Now we're here. Like, I feel like it would be so exciting to see them in the finale. And then, you know, Steven and Steven, I feel like have just been really steady ever since that first win. They've just put up such solid builds that like, you know, they could easily earn themselves to the, their spot at the end. So, Yes. Honestly, I feel like this is maybe one of the toughest ones to decide between, you know, I think like, you know, I, and one, one other quick thought is I sort of feel like Brendan and Greg are like Zach and Wayne in that way. where like Zach had all the mechanisms and all that sort of stuff. So I just want to put that out there. And obviously they made it to the finale, but
1: uh, I mean, what, but, what's so exciting about this is it really feels like any of these teams could win. And absolutely, I think the first time you've ever gotten this far in the season where you have four teams that are this evenly matched.
0: Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think now, let's talk a little bit about the next challenge because we don't know who's going to make it to the finale. But I think this next challenge is such like, um it's almost like heartbreaking knowing that we're one episode from the finale because the challenge is, you know, Will says nothing screams class like a big, beautiful fountain. And it does seem that they're making real working fountains that have, you know, multiple, you know, like um, moving components, but pushed by water. And so the point is, is like all these teams are so well suited for the finale and they're going to be challenged in such a unique way that no Lego Lego builder has really ever been challenged because nobody ever puts water in their build. And if they do, it's a bunch of transparent light blue studs that they sprinkle on the on the table, you know, to create the water, you know, so it almost feels like this is actually like an incredibly challenging semi-final to have to overcome, you know? So Dave, what do you think about the challenge itself? Because we know our teams are gonna be tested.
1: Uh, I'm super excited. Uh, I feel like, you know, Lego masters has thrown all the elements at us. We've had earthquakes. We've had things on fire exploding. (laughs) <laughs> We've had the giant fan blowing things and water has been the one thing that hasn't been done on U.S. Uh, and it will be really exciting to see that final element. And I feel like they've been holding back on it to do it at the right moment. Um, there were definitely parts on our season when I was anticipating the water challenge. I'm sure Brian was too. Uh, that, you know, they, they had a submerged challenge on some different um, international versions. And it was something that, We all kind of had thought about, uh, but nobody had really figured out when it was coming or if it was coming, but this is different. So I'm excited to see what the Challenge Masters bring to this.
0: Yeah, because I just sort of feel like even if you can sculpt, even if you are technical, You've just never been technical in this way. Uh, so Brian, what do you think about this fountain challenge?
2: Yeah, and it, it's so funny that you mentioned that, Dave, because I was also anticipating a similar type of submerge challenge, like putting a build underwater. Uh, I was testing the way that bricks would float. you know, <laughs> I was I was thinking about that uh, all the time. So it is really cool to see that they're integrating water into this season, and it's super challenging because, I'm thinking about the the testing process of of this. If you test it by turning the water on, then all of your bricks are wet, and then that makes it harder to build and harder to change things. So I just I feel like that this could be really challenging. I don't know how those hoses are going to work that they seem to have running through their builds. Like how how much they want to do their own thing you know like i could imagine if you have a, a hose you know we're just by gravity or you know what the hose wants to do it's just going to crush through your build if you're trying to fit it into some sort of area that that doesn't really want it to you know to have the the fountain working in that spot so i just i just think it could be really challenging i'm very excited to see it I think it lends itself really well toward creating those big icons that Lego masters always loves. And I'm hoping that the teams, you know, really go for it and try to create some huge sculptural piece. That's going to look just like it's meant to be in a fountain. I think that would be really awesome to see on TV. Uh, So I, I can't wait. I think this next one looks really cool.
0: Well, yeah, well, and it does seem like it's going to, I mean, listen, maybe it's creative editing, but it does seem like it's going to push the team's to the limit. We hear Greg say, This is the hardest challenge in any Lego Masters ever. And of course, we do see that there seems to be some sort of breakage happening with Dave and Emily's build, uh, which would, of course, be like soul crushing to all of us, you know, who love the show. But yeah, I mean, this definitely seems like, uh, you know, are they biting off even more than they can chew? I guess it's the challenges aren't up to them. So they're going to have to figure out how they rise to the challenge. Uh, I'm hoping to your point, Brian, like it's a long build. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping it's like a 12 hour build like something a little bit more significant because they've done a lot of short challenges this season, like a lot of nine hour challenges. Whereas I feel like on the first season, especially we get 13 hours, 14 hours, um, even before we got the 24 hours. So I'd love a long challenge so that maybe just like Aaron and Christian in season one, even if there's a a terrible break for Dave and Emily, they can come back from it uh, in a really big way. Uh, That's what I'm hoping. And of course, we're gonna have to wait until next week. Um, Like I said, we've got a double, you know, jam packed episode. And so we're all on pins and needles to get there. But thank you, Dave. Thank you, Brian, for helping us break this uh, episode down our penultimate episode, if you will, um, to the finale, uh, double feature, let's say, but um thank you both so much this is always such a, so much fun for me so i really appreciate you both being here yeah,
2: thank you so much michael it's such a pleasure to be here i always love breaking down the episodes with you you're so detailed and thorough and we get to talk through the whole thing and it's always a lot of fun <laughs> so thank you so much for having us
1: um, oh thank gosh. you michael so much for having us it is always a pleasure to talk with you and it's great to be here with brian um and i do want to give a special shout out to one of the biggest Talk Brickmasters fans, Margie Firks, who you know is listening to this entire episode.
2: Yes, she is great. going to freak out. Margie is my mom, and she is the <laughs> podcast number one fan. She listens to every episode, and I'm sure she can't wait to listen to this one, too. So thank you, Dave, for that shout-out.
0: Oh my gosh, yes. W- huge super fan of the show. We really appreciate you, and all of our super fans, I should say. But uh, yeah, special shout-out to Brian and Lauren's mom. Uh, but yes, this uh, we can't wait to get into everything next time but you know whether they want to keep up with you brian or your mom after the show where can they find you i'm sure everyone's going to want to, st- want to stay in touch
2: oh my goodness well to, to keep up with me uh you can uh, find me on my website uh brianferks.com or on instagram at brian builds with an underscore and you'll probably be able to find my mom in the comments somewhere <laughs>
0: And Dave, um, you know, what about your Uh, amount? Where can people keep in touch with you?
1: (laughs) People people can find me, Dave Coletta, on Instagram. Uh, I'll be there posting new stuff.
0: Oh, amazing. Well, we're all looking forward to it. Again, thank you both so much. This was so much fun.
1: Thank you, Michael. Thanks, Michael.
0: It was so much fun getting to sit down with Brian and Dave. And as we get closer and closer to the finale, I only get more and more excited because like we said, anyone could really take this thing and the anticipation is just killing me. But don't worry because we've got more podcasts on the way, including some coverage of the holiday Bricktacular. So stay tuned for interviews with some of the alumni coming back, my post-season interview with the team that went home in episode 10. Plus of course, our coverage of the finale with some very, very special guest. So you won't want to miss out on any of that. So be sure you're subscribed. Because like I've been saying with the Holiday spectacular and all of my postseason coverage plans, uh, we're really just getting started here. So if you want to follow along with the podcast, be sure to subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to it now. And if you're listening on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review as it really helps others find the podcast. If you want even more LEGO content, be sure to check out my YouTube channel, Talk Bricks, where I cover the LEGO news for the week every Saturday. And you can follow the channel on all social media platforms with the username at talk bricks and if you want to follow the podcast on instagram and facebook it's talk bricks masters and on twitter it's tb masters thanks again and i'll see you guys next time